It feels like forever since we've been here. Doesn't it? Got this accent now? What's going on, Dad? I don't know. You, you could just put one on their chair. Do you give one to your dad? Do you give one to your sister? Do you give one to your brother-in-law? Hello? And there you go. Well, we had a week in Dallas. We missed you. Wasn't it fun? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was... It was, by all accounts, very enjoyable, and by all accounts, very much God-filled. Seemed to be at every corner, I mean, even in the bathroom, I'm just kidding. He was like everywhere, obviously. So, the youth, the little, pe little person's thing went pretty well, sounds like. Kids really enjoyed it, so that was good too. Um, yeah, overall... I think the worship was really, really, really awesome for me. That really, really impacted me the most. So and I'm still processing through things. So I know one of the things that was that I, th I heard more than once was there's a lot of things that you're going to hear and you're going to have to process. They didn't say it this way. I said it this way. You have to process your way through. You're going to have to study it for yourself. You're going to have to go look at it. And understand what it is and, and move on. And even though you think, this is me, now we're me. Even though you think you know what it's about, go study it again. And I said, okay. And so, there you go. So one of the first things that I heard from, from Pastor Ron when he, did, when he did session number one on Wednesday morning was this statement that's at the top of your paper. And uh, I thought it was an interesting way to start. I'm like, well, we're, we are serving God. What are you talking about? And he even quoted a scripture from John chapter 12, which is the third scripture on your page. And, and so <clears throat> I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go study it again. I mean, it's like one of the first things that he said. Um, Whatever you do, serve God. I'm like, we are serving God. We are serving God. So... I started studying the word and the other words for serve that are in the New Testament. Good morning, Declan. And so that's how this kind of sprung up. Because, you know, we talk a lot about being a servant and how that sometimes equates being a slave. What does she have on her head? Come here, Anya, please. Is she going to come? Come here, Anya. Are you a goat? Are you a unicorn? I think your dad thinks you're a goat. Good morning. I love you. You can go now. You're awesome. Goodbye, Miss Unicorn. 
See, that kind of stuff just keeps you going. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the world can be falling all apart, and Anya can walk in with a unicorn thing on her head, and you're like, ooh, the Lord is good. Life is awesome. Okay, at least me. Anyways. Everybody gets a horn. Everybody. And you get a horn, and you get a horn. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. I know. Anyways, <laughs> the concept that I got from one of the things I got was you, you got to go study some more. So I went to the New Testament because Pastor Ron quoted the scripture from John 12. And so I started looking up the word serve, thinking there's one word. Serve sometimes can be slave. Slave sometimes can be serve. But also it can mean minister, to minister to someone. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on. So I, I just started diving in. The original title to my uh, Sunday school teaching was Serve, Serve, Serve. And I said, well, you know. So I just said Serve God because that is, that is the directive, the very first directive that, that you know, I, I received when I was there. I don't know about you guys, but I clearly heard him talk about that. So there's probably, probably some other things happened before I got upstairs because I was kicking off the youth thing in the morning, you know, first session, ran upstairs. Um, and so when you look at the word serve in the New Testament, there's three primary words that mean serve. And so I, I got the two other scripture references for it, and the third one is the one that, that Pastor Ron said. So the first scripture reference to serve is when it comes to the temptation of Jesus and, and the word that is used for serve here, see now I say it and I slow myself down. All right, so everybody's got to get out your Bible program. So, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I forget my program. Did I put? I did. Ah. How many of you are starting to use the olive tree? Kim sent out an email, which was really cool, about a, whatever it's called. It's okay. Um, a discount or whatever, if you wanted to use it. And, and so I forgot to ask you guys, what was the advantage of olive tree over what we currently use? My sword, whatever you guys use on the, on the iPhone. Was there an advantage over it? Not really? You gotta talk in the in the microphone. I'm sorry. Here, it's right here. Adrian's got it. I mean, Jocelyn's got it. Adrian. On the iPhone, at least for me, the advantage is the Bible program that I had. Like, if I was sitting here in Sunday school, I could pull up scripture and I could look up the Greek and Hebrew. But that aspect that links it together, that word search has, that I was missing. Um, meaning, like. You can look up the word and it says look up and it has the number for the Greek or Hebrew and you can find all the other scriptures where that same version of the word is used. Mm -hmm. Don't have that capacity on my touch Bible that I use. And oh. the original olive tree program that I had uploaded onto my iPhone or my uh, Mac didn't have the capacities that it does now. But now that you could purchase this one, it does a lot of what the word search does other okay. than the books. It does, and what do you use on your iPhone? It's, it's the Touch Bible. Okay, same concept. I don't know. My, my sword 
does come in an iPhone version. I will tell you that. But you can't find it in the Apple Store. You actually have to go to the, the internet, yeah, eSword.com, and you can download it for a Mac, for the iPhone, which is what we use, what does what I think you say you're missing. So, and, it, and like she said, it is free. So. To look up a word? Yes, because you go search and you put in the number, like G3000. You hit the search button, and then you type in G3000, and all ref but it'll only show you 100. Oh, I haven't done it that way. Okay. So, so anyway, it was nice that they did that because a lot of people are using it, but it's always nice to have, you know there's another software out there to use, and, and I thought it did some things that were different than my sword. Like looking, well, you can still do that on my sword. But anyway, so I just thought it would be different, but I, I didn't get to do that session, so I missed it. So anyway, so this, this one, Temptation of Jesus, Luke 4, 8, the word serve that's down at the very end is the word... Um, let ruo, and it means to minister to God or to render religious homage. So that's part of the definition of it. And and uh, when you root, go back to the root, it means to be a hired menial. So this word, when you see this word serve, it really means someone that's being hired to do to perform a duty, to perform something. And I know. I realize the people that created uh, the um, Strong's Concordance and all that, they're just people like us. And so, you know, they do their best when they read what a word is, definition is from Hebrew to put it down into an English to understand it. And so they're con when they put in there um, to minister to God, they had to add to render a religious homage to it because it didn't mean necessarily that it's only to God. It, it means that it's whatever you're worshiping at the time. And so when you look at this scripture, this is a, the temptation of Jesus, all those things. Remember, Jesus, take, I mean, Satan taking him up to the hill and da -da, all these things where he's doing all these temptations. And, and Jesus, one of his replies and one of the temptations was, was this exactly. And what he was declaring, what Jesus was declaring that, and to me, when I was reading this, is you're going to serve and worship someone. But I'm here to tell you that everyone will worship. Everybody will worship God in the end. But everybody's worshiping somebody, something. And so <clears throat> in, this, in this instance, it seemed as though... Um, the concept behind Jesus stating this, and I think this is the second occurrence in the Bible. There's 21 altogether, but you need to go see them. The, the idea is that in the big scheme of things, there is going to be a serving that will occur because it, it's something that you're being paid for. You're looking to get something back for it. That's where that kind of serve is. And, and Jesus was stating no matter what, in the end, you're going to serve me. And, even, and he's saying that directly to, to Satan. So anybody that thinks Satan is a god, that should like make you not think that anymore. <laughs> because...
God saying, Jesus saying, you're going to serve. You're going to serve the Lord. You're God. And you're, so you're going to serve. And so <clears throat> there's, like I said, 21 occurrences where you can go and see the application of this, this first word. I don't think I said it right. Yeah, Latruo, I did say it right. So that is, let's see, what else is in there that I thought was interesting? Oh, well, anyway. So in, in here, lots of times when Jesus answered, that's when he has that moment to think. When, he, when he's, it's apocrino, so he's discerning what he's to say. So anytime he says answered in these scriptures that I'm giving you, it's that word, apocrino, where he's giving a moment, he's going to answer a question that's been, that's been presented, and he's going to, you know, like, bow down and serve me. Well, let me tell you this. I'm not. That's not going to happen, and this is why this is what his answer was. The other thing I thought was very interesting was the 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 get thee the get thee behind me because get thee was interesting because it it, it kind of literally means to bring under. So it's like you're taking yourself and you're bringing it under. You're moving it over this way, and and Jesus was very clear about where any. And this is, this is something I'm battling now. Anything that Satan is presenting to you or saying to you in your mind or out loud or on the TV or in the, in the news or with the friend, that always needs to get behind, not necessarily Jesus, but behind those that walk as sons of God. It has no right to be in front of. It has no right to be beside even. It must be behind what it means to be a son. It has to always be last. That's how I took it. You know, it's like not necessarily on my six, but definitely way back behind there. I want it way back there. So that was the other thing I thought was very interesting because, you know, it says get behind me, but we know, he, you know, Jesus was a representation of God, but for sure he was manifesting and presenting to us, giving us examples of what it means to be a son. So, I don't know how things are going with you all, but I have been, lots and lots of voices have been trying to talk to me. <clears throat> I'm not telling you I'm crazy, but y'all know I am. Um, but just lots and lots of suggestions of things, and I'm like, ah, wait, that's not, that's not, that's not right. That's not God, you know. And you think about when it, what it takes to be a servant. Even if it's this definition of a servant, you have to be able to hear, to do what you're being told to do. When you get hired for a job, now I understand there's hearing impaired people, I get it, but you still have to be able to receive instructions from the person that you've been hired to do. Whatever task you've been asked to do, if you can't hear that person, then you know, you're going to get fired. Or you don't want to hear that person, you're going to get fired. You're going to get, in our case, um, left on the wayside because we're not hearing God. But so... Being a servant, I think one of the number one things is you have to hear. You have to hear whoever, you, whoever or whatever you're serving. And for some things, it's super easy. But when it comes to hearing what God is saying, sometimes not so easy. Because we, we're battling against the world. We're battling against our flesh and blood. We're battling against whatever the enemy wants to throw our way. So, got to hear. Okay. Thou shalt proskuneo, the Lord thy God, and alone, only him, 
will you serve? Only him will you let Rio, Rio. See, I knew I was going to do that. Rio. All right. Anyway. All right. Huh? Yeah, La Rio. Thank you. I love when she's up here helping me out. Okay. I used to do pretty good with definitions. I'm not as bad as somebody else in there. <laughs> I see, right? But see, you got your head down because you knew it was coming. <laughs> okay, so uh, the next definition, which is used mostly by the church, this, this next word, and it happens 23 times in the New Testament. Now, there's all, always some derivatives, but you guys get me. The word is doulos, and it means to be a slave in a literal or figuratively figurative, or this is the part I don't always get, a voluntary or involuntary way. How do you voluntarily become a slave? I bet you there's lots of circumstances where that would occur. Because I don't know, I mean, you have to understand the whole concept of slave and where it started. She needs a microphone. She wants to talk. An indentured servant would be one right off the bat that I think about. People that wanted to come to America couldn't afford to come to America. Mm -hmm. And so they indebted themselves. They became basically a servant or a slave to the person that was fronting them the money. And they had to work so many years to work that debt off. Mm -hmm. Right. So this word, doulos, I took, gave you that definition. The further definition continues to talk about being a slave, a bondman, um, one who gives himself to another's will. That that would also be part of being a slave, and um, devoted to another to the disregard of their own interest. So, um, this. It just defines that um, in itself is that you give your service as a slave as opposed to someone taking your service as a slave. Um, there were lots of people uh, who were taken as slaves and made to serve. They didn't have a choice. But to give yourself to somebody is to choose for many different reasons to be the one to minister to them or to, to, to take their wishes and bring them to fruition. That is true. And, and however, I'm, I'm going to add on top of that, this also comes with a measure of an involuntary slaving as well. So that means that you're, un, you're, you're, you're doing the will of someone else in an involuntary manner. You're, you're doing it because I don't, you're bonded to them for, for your, you're in bondage to that enemy or to that person. So it can be both according to the definition. Voluntary, exactly what you said. Involuntary, you know, like I would say the, when the slaves came over from Africa, I would say the people that were, you know, the Hebrews, when they were under the control of the, the Babylonians, right, Babylonians, they, they were not, they didn't really have a choice. They, ha they had to do what they were told, right? I mean, that, and a lot of people would say that. It wasn't, 
<clears throat> involuntary is not like I, you can say, like even in the first one, it wasn't like you could make an option. Option A, option B. Because option B to a lot of people is death. Option A was, well, I'm going to do whatever he says, I don't care. Because even if it's wrong, I got to do it. Am I explaining it wrongly or rightly? You still have the mic in your hand, so I think you want to say something else. I, I was also, you know, referencing Israel and Egypt. Yes. You know, that concept. They were there at the invitation of the Pharaoh. And yet, while they were there, they became the worker bees. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, in conquering, when, when kingdoms overcame kingdoms, there were lots of times when the conquered people became slaves to the ones that they... That, were, that conquered them. They became, you know, servants in so many ways, taxable beyond words. I mean, we can, you know, we can continue with that concept, but I mean, it was something that was there. And the concept of being a servant and a slave has obviously developed over time, but it, the basic, even today, I think we could say a slave or servant or someone that's a, a have and a have not. The haves have the have-nots that serve them in, in an interesting way. You know, when, it, when we continue to move down the line, because, you know, we have lots of, we have, not lots, we have some stories in Scripture that talk about people who were slaves, like, like Joseph. Wasn't Joseph a slave in the beginning? He had to do whatever they told him to do. And then look what happened as he developed as a son as a, as a person gave, be giving, be, being given wisdom and all that, and look where he ended up. What about Daniel? Was Daniel considered a slave at the time that he was captured and taken? Maybe not? They were more assimilated into society because, I mean, they were forced to go there, yes. Mm -hmm. But they were more assimilated into society overall because he was actually a governor. And so he worked that position. Now, I think the king was certainly enslaved to start with. So there was... Gotcha. Know. So even, you know, you even say that, there's like a progression of slavery. <laughs> Can we say it that way? There's a progression. If, you know, if you do a good, I mean, if you do a good job as a slave... You can call it a worker bee. You can call it the peon, but let's keep slave concept. The better that you did, the more that the master saw what you were doing and would move you up into a higher position and a higher position and a higher position. And really, as a son, it's the same thing. When you start off, at least for me, I didn't really question a lot of things. I read something in Scripture, and I tried to do it. And it was kind of sometimes like even literal. I tried to do it, literally. Don't worry. Well, the Bible says don't worry. It's not going to worry anymore. Then I would worry about worrying. And, yeah. So, you know, you, that's where you are. But the more that you understand what the master's desires are and what he needs you to do, hmm, up you go. And then, you know, you start looking at things more and you want to understand your master more if you want to move up. And all these words for Americans, I think, are taboo, my master. Uh. <laughs> but scripture is pretty clear that we are the servant. We're the servant of the king. How do you get to be servant of a king? Does it just happen as soon as you go into the household? You know, you guys, some of you guys used to watch Downton Abbey. And, and part of Downton Abbey was all based on the servants that served that house. And that was like a big deal back in the days. 
even probably back in the day of Jesus, because if you weren't serving someone, you were destitute. You had no other income. So a lot of people didn't have a place to live. And back in those days, way back, I'm not sure about Downton Abbey because I haven't watched the show, but I just remember a couple times, hey, look, there's the maid, there's the butler. Okay. Um, the, the people, their families would move into the household or even into the encampment or castle area. So that's, those things kind of change where here's the castle, this is where the king is, the lord of the land, whoever it is in authority, and inside of the walls would be the people that were willing to serve him, the families and all that. And so that when something happened, they closed the gates and they were safe. And there's, there's always a measure of taking care of the servants that's part, of, that's part of their household that you can see, I think, even in Downton Abbey. But, you know, any of the things you look at, even today, you know, we haven't seen the queen in a while, but anyway, even today, in England, that's the biggest monarch I can, I can think of, the servants are, are taken care of. Now, now it's a high-paying job, and now there's a lot more to being hired by the king and queen of England or king and queen of any country. It's not like, hey, um, you vagabond, come in here. And I didn't mean to point at you being a vagabond, Gail. You come in here and, and we'll put you to work. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot more that goes to it. And, and when you think about all that in the big scheme of things of us as sons, we have progressed as slaves to servants, to sons, to joint heirs. I mean, it's just a progression. But serving the king is something you know, even more, you know, there's, there's like a lot to understand about what it takes to serve a king. You have to be trusted. You, I mean, there's got to be a measure of trust that comes with that. And so, in Matthew 6.24, the next scripture on your page, it says, no man can serve two masters. And this is that, that definition I was talking about, doulos. Um, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one, hold to the one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. How many times have we read this scripture and talked about it at great length? But this word serve, that's the word doulos, which says that you can be, um, you can be a slave. You can serve voluntarily or involuntarily, figuratively or literally serve Fill in the blank. And all of us have had to deal with this. I, I say that because we're human beings. There, we've all had to deal with this in one measure or another. And some of us are still dealing with it. Trying to understand, getting it right. I want to serve God. There's not anybody in here, I don't think, that, that has a problem saying that. I want to serve God. Now you've got to make that match up with whatever. I mean, if you're a student, you got to make it match up with being in the classroom, being at a school, teachers, principals, other authorities. If you're an adult, you have to deal with that being your job, who your manager is, what their, what their goals are, and how you do. I mean, you see how that all, and you got to, somehow, they have to do this. And they can't, like, be like that. It's got to be one and the same. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm still working on that. I, I mean, there's just so many things about that. So this, this concept is doulos is used the most. You, do you want to talk? No. I oh. Carmen no, Carmen did not come up. Okay. She's sitting back there just shaking her head like this. No, she's not going up and down. She's going like this. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. 
I must be saying something wrong. I'm just kidding. So <clears throat> when you look at this concept of, of serve, and this is why, I mean, you've got to study, like Pastor Ron was saying, this concept of serve has, has many different facets that come into it. And we absolutely have to serve God and, and that's why he says it this way, okay? That's, ap, that's an absolute serve. Is the second serve the same word? Did anybody? Yes? Okay. And so, go ahead. Well, that master is not just any master either. That's right. It's, yeah, I was just getting there. It's the word curios. And you guys remember that from our hierarchy teachings from long ago and continue to bring up. It's, it's, it's like the, the level right below the throne of God. It's that, it's, that, it's that influence, that principality. It's the, the authority and the power that's been given to, in this case, he's just saying two. And to these two things, you can't, you can't have two curios. That's a division. Division, that's what that is. And that's why when we know and we state, I am going to serve God we must get the rest of our lives or any other, I'm going to say curious because I don't know how many you can have, but you have to get them aligned with the throne of God. That's how it works. That authority, that power that comes with that level is, you know, right below, I keep saying it, right below the throne of God is part of what God has created this earth, how to function. And so, when Jesus is making this statement, I don't know, can you put anything else in there? God and something else. Okay, because mammon, and I don't know what mammon really is. I always thought it meant food. But it says it's treasure. So, I mean, so what it's saying is you, you, you serve God, you'll get your treasure from him. Or you can serve treasure. Go, Vicki. Well, um, I've got a Thayer's definition that talks about riches, and it says where it's personified and opposed to God. So it's like you're, you're, you you're putting whatever is valuable. Um, it, be, it becomes the whole, the whole visage of what mm -hmm. you look at. That's your whole, your whole world is built around that. Right. And, but when you do, it's, it's going to oppose God because mm -hmm. God doesn't work that way. Right. And I've got to say, oh, Jay, go ahead. Um, it also says confidence. So that thing that you place your confidence in. Mm. Okay. And it's either, you know, we put our confidence in God and what he's doing, or you're putting confidence in something else that you think is going to serve you better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, honestly, maybe I'm the only one. Aren't there times when you are absolutely overwhelmed by another curios that takes over and that's what you're serving? I mean, the go-to thing would be money. But it could be anything. A tragedy could occur, and now you're serving that tragedy or that sadness, or that, and and you're not, you know, now you're overwhelmed with that influence in your life. And as we recognize it, you know, we, for me, I gotta bat myself upside the head. But everybody does it different. Gotta get your head back over here because if you serve God, it's just like that scripture up there on the wall. If you're serving Him. Everything will be given to you. And, I, and I'll tell you, that's not an easy place when that one curios is overwhelming you. And, and, but that's, that's why, I mean, it's always, there's always something to improve, understand, do differently. <laughs> and I, I could see where 
grief would be one of those. You could really uh, uh, allow that to become the thing that you're, and especially for a son, that should not be. It doesn't mean you don't have feelings. It doesn't mean you don't have emotions. But we also know that once whatever, whoever that loved one was, you know, they pass away, we, we know all about what that encompasses in heaven. And so our, still our goal, our allegiance is to our calling and to mm-hmm. our identity. And that has to be what takes, what takes over. Yeah. It's almost like a muscle memory, like, like the muscle memory of your identity needs to take over and not allow the grief to overshadow. Mm-hmm. It's kind of part of that last, def- the last part of the definition of doulos that I read, devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interest. We are devoted to, obviously, we are devoted to God, his heart, his ways. That's what we're devoted to, to the disregard of our own interests. And how that works in each person is most certainly different. Uh, it most certainly is because of, just because of who we are. Well, I was going to say, you know, in relation to that, you know, mom mentioned grief. It could also just be a loss. It could be a loss of time, a loss of something that you feel, um, so, uh, something that just takes away from what you, mm-hmm. you know, in that moment, you just realize there's a, a lack, per se. And so that can be something that, like, God's had me push through and just be like, yes, this is not here. However, what, what task have I set before you? And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, this has to be my focus now. This is sad. <laughs> this is grieving my heart in a different way, but I need to focus on the task that he set before. And yep. so that's pushing forward into that um, ability as a son, that, re- that responsibility as a son, mm-hmm. because the fields are white. There still needs to be those who go out and harvest. There still needs to be those who stand in the gap. And it's like even when circumstances are pressing in, it's like, yep, that's there. That's uncomfortable. You know, and yet, you know, I'm going to do my best to be and do what you've called me to do in this moment. Right. Go ahead, Larry. Yeah, this is, again, uh, dealing with bitterness. Um, And and bitterness can become that uh, master where it's a it's a place that feeds our iniquity and um, it causes us to. it, it, it's a satisfying uh, portion to to be bitter, and, and it's, it's like we're doing something, or that that uh, we're driven by it. Yeah, I mean, and you look, you look at the entire Matthew six. It's a lot. It's the uh, mostly Jesus speaking to the people and talking about the light and the darkness and all of that. And we get down here to, to verse 24. So the, this concept of what you serve, you know, he was making it a stark reality of it's this or it's that. And it really is. It's God or it's the enemy, the world, the, uh, your desires. Well, I was just going to say, when you've made the choice that you're going to serve God, then that's how that righteous vision comes because then everything that happens, you look at it as, 
all right, Father, this does not feel good. It's not how I thought this was going to work out. It may look really awful, but if this is going to align me more closely with your heart, if this is going to accomplish your purpose, then I will submit regardless of what it looks like for me in the physical or how it feels in the natural so that your purpose can be accomplished. Exactly. And I got to tell you, one of the most annoying things that I experienced out at Dallas was the flipping van I rented. <laughs> I could not figure out how to turn off the, the thing that will put you back in your lane. And you guys have been in Dallas. You know how those roads are. All of you understand that. And it would pull my steering wheel. This is so annoying. And it would go bing, 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 bing. You know how many times you go out of a lane in Dallas when you're on a three-lane road and you got the curbs on either side? Some of you may say never, but I did it. I drove Jocelyn nuts too. Bing, bing, bing. Oh, my gosh. Don't you wish we had something like that <laughs> in the spirit? <laughs> if I'm getting out of the lane... My steering wheel gets jerked back to the center. <laughs> Come on! I, I, <clears throat> yeah, probably. You know, it, I, I actually, actually look forward to the day when the things that you just said don't even pop in my brain. I just go, oh, no, I'm supposed to be over here. Then I go, God, why is this happening? Or which way do I need to go? And it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to stay with you. It's just like... I don't even say anything. My my head just comes right back to him. Thank you. Just for me, though. No, for everyone. But you all follow what I'm saying, so it's... There you go. Okay, so the last scripture, which is the one that inspired me to do this, and this time I got to it before we ran out of time. Thank you. There's a, there's a, a ton of scriptures, though, just so you guys know. Um, the na oh, here it is. The last word, definition. Do I have it somewhere? I know I do. I know I wrote it down. Oh, here it is. Um, it's, well, diakonos is one word, but diakoneo is another word. Look it up. And the definition means to be an attendant or to wait upon in a menial or a as a, as a host or a friend or even a teacher. And then it has this little, technically, to act as a Christian deacon. And actually, this word is used whenever it says deacon in the New Testament. And that makes sense because that's what a deacon is. It's somebody that's there to serve, right? But you look at the, go back to the root word, diakonos is what I said. It means one who executes the commands of another. especially a master. And it also part of that definition means the servant of a king. And that's where we are. That's what we are. We are servant of the king. We will execute the command of our Lord when he speaks, when he says, when he directs, when his face goes that way, we go that way, we do. I mean, that's, and this is the word that, that Pastor Ron quoted in the, in the scripture that we're going to read in John 12, 23-26. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, <clears throat> except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. 
But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, that word serve, that's the word diakonos. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. Is that not our prayer? Wherever God is, that's where I want to be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. And, and that means a lot. I mean, I'm thinking of a cargo ship that's totally packed. This means even more than that. Packed with what the Lord is going to do on your behalf because you're a servant. Because you will do what he commands you to do. You will execute it. Faithfully, even. And so, this is serving God. This is right, the being a servant of a king. And like I said, there's, there's higher qualifications to serve a king. You know, there, there just is. <laughs> because not, not kings just not going to let any, any old person in off the road to help them do whatever. That's not how it works. He's got to have people that are trusted because he's doing, he's executing the important work of the kingdom of God. And in this case, it is God. Now, will we be kings? Yeah, it says we will, right? Prophets, priests, kings, that's part of our, our, what, our MO, that's part of what God's given us. He'll give us authority over places, and there will be servants, I'm not saying there's necessarily people, but there will be servants, even the angels of the Lord, that will do what we, what we pray because we're still serving God. He's telling us, we speak, it happens. When we pray in this room, in intercession, we are executing the commands of God. When you are praying anywhere else, in, in especially in diversity of tongues, you are executing the commands of God. And so there are those angelic beings that are there to follow what God is commanding through you. And that's going to happen with people. You're going to have people that are going to be right there and be like your assistants. Like I had McKenna. She was my assistant. I didn't know it till halfway through, but she was my assistant. She is a really, she's a really awesome go-getter. She just has that kind of personality. All right, everyone. I mean, she just, everybody gather around. Kind of like, like me. And she just gathers the folk, and then she gets them going in the right direction. But like halfway through, you know, I'm, I'm like, this is, you know, we're doing pretty good. And then Kelly, her mom, leans over. You know, McKenna says she's your assistant. And I sat there for a second, and I said, Yes, she is, because she was the oldest. That happens there too. And but she would go get stuff for me. She would go, you know, we need to get the kids over here. She goes, okay, and she would go get them and bring. So you know, I was kind of king over the kids. Now that I say that, wow. Now, but you understand, in the spirit and even in the physical, these kinds of things are going to happen, because our influence is God. And that influence, that light is what needs to be seen in this world. We have the darkness. We're going to talk about that next time I'm teaching because I'm already working on that thing. We, we have the darkness around us. We have to be that light. That's pretty fascinating to think about that um, the things we do in <clears throat> obedience to God will actually command other people. Um, it's true. It's, it's our influence of, of our obedience 
that will that will that will cause people to respond to God and to do the things that He has prepared them to do, and and they don't realize, you know, the 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 full uh, chain of command that has come to them, and so when they uh, respond to our relationship to the Father, they are they are actually coming under our kingship. And, um, you know, this, this can be something very simple or something very dramatic. Mm-hmm. But either way, when, when you teach, uh, when, when uh, there is a message that is being given, whether it's prophetic or whether it's prepared uh, points of, of com- you know, understanding, there, there is going to be, there is implied that command from the Father that this is something we need to uh, become uh, compliant to you know your your teaching this morning is talking about things that need to be happening in our lives and so in that we are being influenced by the command of the father through you and and your your place as the king mm-hmm. you yeah. know, has that influence upon us as <clears throat> listeners as those who have chosen to be servants right and even then a part of the definition of servant is teacher right and so, you know, even back in the day, and probably still true today, servants would, would sometimes teach the children. Some of the servants that were, that were brought into the household were, were intelligent, were, had, you know, had gone to some kind of a schooling of some sort. Even from a religious standpoint, even from the, from the church standpoint, you know, back in medieval times, which I don't always like to talk about, you know, the, the church had a huge influence upon the world. And it, not saying it was necessarily good, but a lot of the more aristocratic type households hired people from the church to be into the, into their house, come into their home, and they would serve in different capacities. But one of them was to teach the children about God, and so that's that's part of what it means to be this kind of a servant, to be this doula, not doulos, sorry, diakonos. Thank you, servant. And that and and again, when when. When Pastor Ron said that, again, I'm like, yeah, we're serving God. But then I start looking, I'm like, wow, there's so much more to this. And the reason I did the whole 23 through 26 is so you could see that it really is a progression. You have to be a corn of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. Congratulations. We've told ourselves that over and over again. You must die to self. And, and you know, it, you abide alone so you're... Does that make sense? When you look at it again, it just totally makes sense. He, you know, corn of wheat, fall into the ground and die. It, it, it abides alone. Thank you. I, I don't know why I'm having so tall. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Now, we understand the concept of bringing forth much fruit. So it means, I mean, it means what you think. It, there's so much more that happens when you die to self. Just that act brings forth those things that God needs to have. He needs to have. I'll say it that way. And he uses us to get those things out there for the earth, for the whole wide world. I'm telling you. It's an amazing clickety-click-click right down the list. You know, it's like a, not really a checklist, but it's kind of like a checklist. Um, so verse 25, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. That's a little 
crazy, a little backward sounding. Is that just me? But then you look and you understand what they're talking about when it, when it talks about when it talks about life. So in verse 25, both those words, let me make sure I get this right. Okay. The first two words for life are suke, the breath and the spirit. The last word life is zoe. And so you see, when you read that all the way through, you're like, oh, I want the life eternal. I want to hate the life of this world. But I want to love my life with God. I want to breathe him in. But I don't want to breathe in the life in this world. No, 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 no. I want to hate that. But I'm going to get eternal life because, like, say I died. Ooh, I, I'm breathing. Oh, but I got to breathe junk. No. And now I have life eternal. Did everybody follow that? That was a trip through Annette's mind. I know it can get really bizarre. I know. There are times when I do my lesson, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about this because they'll know how I think. It's so embarrassing. All right. And then verse, last verse, if any man serve me, let him follow me. So when we talk about this, this serving, it's that, that dio, this one is diokoneo, which is still de derives back to the base word that I was telling you about. So in this place, you, when you serve God, your callings, your giftings that God has given you and placed within you are coming forth and they're being used on behalf of the kingdom of God because we are following him. We are right there with him in, in every way. <clears throat> and it goes on to say, and where I am, there shall also my servants be. If any man serve me, him will the Father honor. Place value on. The Father places value on you. That's, that's also something that's mind-boggling because we really don't deserve any of that. And yet, what kind of servant are you? Are you, in, are you right there? Are you executing the commands of the Father? you continue to become a valuable servant to him, and then he gives you more. It's like, to him, much is given. Right? This is where, this is where things are right now for us. So, <clears throat> us executing the commands of the king, also, as, as Larry so eloquently stated, also gives us a command of the things in our, in our, in our purview, the things in our terio. We have that authority, we have that influence. Whether it's, like Port St. John, Brevard County, Florida, United States of America, whether it's your workplace, whether it's the school that your kids attend, whether it's the school that you attend. I don't know if any kids are listening, so I'll just go ahead and say that. You know, it's, <clears throat> it's just that it's got to be a self-correcting thing instead of a bing with a van. But it's a self-correcting life that we leave, lead and what you said speaks very powerfully about the abiding alone. Oh, yeah. It, it is a very personal uh, point of, of uh, dying to self, of, of becoming um, prepared to bear fruit. And, and it has to be uh, the Spirit leading us to examine ourselves and to um, 
make those those visionary adjustments to see the things that God's seeing, not just in front of us, but about ourselves. How does God view you? And and to continually um, reaffirm that He has uh, has a passion for us to be His servants, and that when we fulfill that passion, it's His joy, and it's that joy that gives us the strength that we are going to produce fruit. Mm. We will we will send down roots into His um, revelation. We will become what that nourishment. Mm supplies for us and and what fruit we produce will be because of that connection and that's just um uh that has to that has to be it we we can't um be a part of a group that's doing something we have to be um self-starters we have to be the source of of what's going on and Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's a powerful position. It is. And really, since you brought it up, did you want to say something? Go ahead. Okay. Since, since you brought it up, because I already marked it down, the word abideth and the word alone, the word alone derives back down to abideth, which means to stay. So it's really to stay to stay. <laughs> but it is alone. It's without a companion. You are abide yourself and you have to stay there because it's like stay stay it's like sit stay that's that's what it is and when you and when you do that because because there is not going to be a but if it die it is it dies and then come forth comes forth the fruit okay go ahead Vic I was thinking back how uh, Matthew six twenty four. okay scripture how that really is a picture of what has been exacerbated and is playing out today. Because when you think about making yourself, let's say voluntarily, we're making, let's, let's go from the sonship first. When you make yourself voluntarily, uh, you give yourself to the will of another and you choose to do that. And that other person is, or that other hierarchy point is the Lord which is what curious would in, mm-hmm. encompass, and, yep. then you're going to passionately pursue. And you're going to hold yourself like opposite to the face of that one or to the, the, the being of that one. And you're going to echo back. You're going to emulate and reflect back everything that you're seeing in that one. Mm-hmm. And in response to the other hierarchy, the other choice, you're, you're going to hate it. You're going to detest it. And you're going to think little or nothing of that. Now, the flip side is what we're also seeing, you know, you've, which basically you've got the sonship or you've got people who are emulating the world, in, which is really being run by the enemy. Yep. And so that's where you see them passionately pursuing that. Mm-hmm. And they're emulating, they're reflecting back everything they see there. And as a result, they detest anything that has anything to do with God. Yeah, and and they they really think, even even in the church, you may not see that detesting. What you what you see is the things of God. They think little or nothing of. Yeah, because <clears throat> so, they don't they don't have any meaning. Are you still doing that prayer thing? You know, it's like that type of stuff. It's just it does ha- it has no value, no meaning. Right. I was just going to go back to John twelve when it says stay stay. 
You know, it's, <laughs> it, it reminded me of Pastor Ron saying, you don't put a seed in the ground and then four days later go and dig it up to see if it's got any roots. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really, once you die, you stay dead. You know, and without staying dead, you can't produce the fruit. Right. So there has to be that, you know, once that seed is dead, it has to stay in the ground and stay, stay dead. Stay, stay. <laughs> sort of dead. <laughs> Ding. And just to go back to what Vicki was saying, in case you weren't sure, what she was talking about the word hold, which is anti-kamai, and she was talking about the word despise, which is cataphreneo. So that's where she's got the, the hold oneself opposite to, you know, so you're looking at something, you know, um, you're, like, you're against that, even a face-to-face. She's not like again. No? Go ahead. Go ahead. I took it as you're holding yourself opposite and emulating that. Okay. Because it roots back to echo. That's right. It does root back to echo. So you're actually reflecting what you're, but you're holding it close and going, this is all I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you, God, and that's all I want to be is whatever you're showing me. Yeah. And the freneo kind of links to the emotion part, I believe, of our, of our self, right? The friend, the freneo. Okay, so all good. We are servants of the King. Serve God. Amen. Amen.